Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And as I told our Seattle listeners, the OGs of Know Your Risk Radio on KTTH in Seattle, uh, I sound a bit froggy today. You'll have to forgive me. I promise you it's not the vid. We were joking. I was like, God forbid it's not the vid. Little word game. It's punny. Uh, <laughs> anyway, what what is it about? You know, when I was a kid, I used to laugh at dad jokes too. Like, you know, dads are so stupid and little word games and puns. What is it about getting older where that humor is just more appealing to you? It's the stupidity of it that's funny, right? Like puns, punny. <laughs> I because I'll admit, I'm a, I think I'm a guy that's, that's got a good sense of humor, good comedic tone, timing, if you will. I'm not the funny. I'm not saying I'm like a stand-up comedian. But you know, I mean I you know, I can joke around, you know, and and hash it up. But but that 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 humor, that dad humor just cracks me up. Anyway, this is not about humor. We're not going to be making Chris Rock and Will Smith jokes. Although I, you know, did see some memes about, you know, Will Smith being called inflation and Chris Rock being the consumer, Chris Rock being the Biden uh, administration, you know, all these different things, kind of crazy times we're living in. Like I needed to tell you that. Uh, anyway, so we got a great show planned for you today. Obviously there's tons to cover. Um, <laughs> as always. And, and obviously we are going to dive into oil and the announcements that Biden's just made, uh, in the impacts it have has quite honestly, I think that that's the big, you know, by far and away, I think that's the biggest piece of news this year. Um, markets, they do what they've been doing. I, I thought that we'd know a lot today. We may by the end of this session. Right now, it looks like the markets are going to finish again just in the upper bound. Just I thought you'd break one way or the other because we, especially you look at the NASDAQ, we were just came with inches of the 200-day moving average. And then we rejected off of it pretty sharply. Um, so, like, you know, like we've been saying, God, it feels like forever. Like we've been saying now for almost two years, the knife fight continues. It's just this, the, the, the buy the dippers will not give up. Every time there's a dip, they flood back in there. Uh, but they still can't break out. You're still not breaking out on the NASDAQ. You're still negative, what, 6 7% on the year. It was a heroic comeback, but you got up to the 200-day and you got rejected. Now, there's still support underneath it. And the reason I'm talking technical, guys, is at a stage like this with the multiples that are on the NASDAQ and the inflation that we are seeing that is not transitory. And, and I am increasingly seeing the inflation picture as permanent. Um, I think there are going to be less prices. It, it, when this whole debate came out, all the people that sang the inflation was temporary, they weren't nuts. And, and we said this at the time. I, I thought it was going to be a mixed bag. I, I was like, look, some of these supply chain issues are going to, or they're, they're going to sort themselves out. And some of this stuff's going to come down. Then there's going to be other things that don't. I don't think it's going to be quite as evenly split as I thought. It looks, and, and the reason why, and we talked about this again, it, you have to pay attention to turning points in markets because that's where all the money is made and lost. Okay, and I think the biggest turning point in markets, and I mean this earnestly, I think the biggest turning point in markets in the last 40 years has occurred in the last two years. I think that COVID, for a variety of different reasons, is what flipped the script. And you went inflationary. I think there are behavioral reasons for it. I think that there are structural reasons for it. I think that there were things happening over the previous 15 years that fed directly into that. Right? Meaning a tech boom. 
with virtually zero economic, you know, real economic growth in the, you know, uh, from 2009, 2019, you had about 1.9%, 2% average annual growth with about 1.9 to 2% inflation. Okay, so essentially no real growth in the economy. So what happened? All the money flooded into tech and all that kind of stuff. And there was no, there's, and when I say this, I'm not being hyperbolic. It's been a nuclear winner in the commodity spaces. Okay, a nuclear winner. And not just in the performance of the stocks, in the prices. If you look at the commodity complex prior to COVID, you had some bumps up and down. But you essentially, you know, gold was higher. But you look a lot, you look around the commodity complex, nothing, right? Nothing recovered. Nothing came back to pre-2007 levels. And what I think that people are missing is when the price doesn't come back, when the stocks don't perform for 14 years, you, you, can, you can basically bet your bottom dollar that those sectors have been uninvested in. And I don't really think you need to dig deep. We've talked about this. If you want to know the current state of affairs in energy, and I've said this before, but I think it's as simple, and natural resources for that matter, I think it's as simple as looking at the composite, the makeup of the S&P 500. You got 11 sectors, natural resources and energy historically made up somewhere between 12 to 14%. They're currently at like three. Tech, remember there's 11 sectors. Tech makes up about 40% of the weight in the S&P. That tells you all you need to know, right? Think about that. Use that as a proxy. That tells you where money has gone over the last 15 years. And the setup in the, in the, when you, and it's, and it's kind of, it's, it's kind of cool how it works when you really start getting into it. And by the way, uh, uh, next week's show, I'll just tell you right out of the gate. Next week's show is all commodities. We're doing a commodity special because I really want to lay this out. I want to look at the opportunities and I want to explain to you guys the fundamental setup. Because I think that we are entering an extraordinary phase in the market. And the thing that gets me excited about it is you've got multiple generations of investors that have absolutely no idea how to navigate the the market that we're staring at. Why does that excite me? It's not, it has nothing to do with wanting other people to do poorly. I can assure you that that, it doesn't, you know, that doesn't do anything for us. I think that's kind of, I always hate it when people have that attitude. Um, but but what, what it excites me for is that there are very few people that understand how to assess these situations, how to know how to look at commodity stocks. And what that tells me is that there's going to be massive opportunity like there is right now. And and it's just a completely different game. And I so I think that if you're if you're on top of that, I think that the chances to generate massive, massive alpha and outperformance over the next couple of years. Um, I'm licking my chops. I'm licking my chops. And, and one of the beautiful things that I see about it, you guys, is it's, and, and I, look, I don't know what the timetable is, but the cool thing about commodities and getting into environments like this is, you know, like if you're investing in copper, you're not worried about a new startup firm <laughs> inventing a disruptive metal that's going to take over copper's place. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a much, in, <clears throat> it's got its own intricacies and difficult parts of it. I'm not saying that, but it's, it's, it's a much more concrete way to invest. I don't think there's nearly as many variables and I think it's simple yet at the same time, it, it, it's a type of investment that people aren't used to looking at. It's a type of investment that most people have not been, you know, you, again, you've got, you guys, you've got professional money managers that have never owned an energy stock. <clears throat> now, not ones that have been around the game in a long time, but like I said, I think we need to step back and kind of look at the makeup of the market we're in. Think about the guys that started in the industry as junior analysts in 2008, 2009. Right, they started off as a junior analyst, fresh out of business school. 
They become a junior portfolio manager. Now those guys have been in the game for 15, 16 years. Now they're portfolio managers. They've never navigated a inflationary market. Doesn't mean they can't learn. They can. I mean, I wasn't navigating a market in 1970. Now, I grew up in a house where that's where they made their name uh, and, they're, and a living. Uh, you know, I'm an intense you know, student of history, especially financial industry and, and military history. So, you know, I've, I've got a, a more robust background in it. Uh, the other thing is I actually participated too in, in, in a pretty good commodity run that we had in 2001 to 2008. So I just think that you've got a big advantage if you're pointed that way and you, and you, and you can, um, you know, you know how to look at these things, you know how to assess commodity companies, you know how to assess, <clears throat> those opportunities, you know, how to look at, you know, resource estimate, you know, there's just, it's just a completely different ball game. And uh, it's one that we have been, again, born into, but also been studying up honestly for the last 10 years and really staying sharp in it just because we knew that this was coming. We, and I've said this on the show a million times, the, this, when, when you do what we've been doing for the last 13 to 15 years, runaway inflation and commodity shortages are just a matter of time. Why? It, it isn't just so much about inflation in terms of currencies losing value. It's like I was pointing out earlier, you're going to have misallocation of capital, meaning money, too much money is going to go into places it shouldn't, and not enough money is going to go into places that it should. And when you have a tech boom, and you've got these incredible companies that have come to the fore, right, that have great stories and unlimited growth, and all, it's just a perfect narrative to suck money out of boring stuff, right, like commodities, and again, you had no real growth impulse, so commodities didn't really have a driver. <clears throat> well, that's changed. <laughs> so anyway, um, the the other thing, and we're gonna roll. I'm gonna roll the the market update for for um, probably the full 25 minutes here. We're about uh, we're about 10 in, so probably just gonna roll this straight through because I think this is really important. Um, okay, so now getting getting into this a little bit further here. Um, if you didn't hear, and I'm sure you did, uh, Biden announced a historic release of the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Um, and I think, I don't think, I know, uh, part of the reason is I put out a tweet about it and it went viral. It got retweeted like 200 times. That's not viral, but I mean, it's viral in my world. Um, <clears throat> but but one, of the, one of the nice things about getting a tweet that goes around like that is it gets so many more people's attention and you get a uh, an inflow of comments and discussion and, and it gives you insight into how people are seeing this and how people are viewing it. And there's a lot of information there, right? You get a little market information, what a lot of people are thinking. And what I've come to realize is that there is a massive lack of understanding at what is going on on a fundamental basis. Now, like I was telling our trader before I hopped on the uh, on the show today, our trader Matt, great guy, great trader. Um, <clears throat> what, what I was explaining to him was that it, that it, it, it is it is patently amazing to me how in the investment community so many people will act when they do not have anywhere close to the complete set of information. Now. Because we have a fundamental understanding of the picture does not guarantee that we're going to be right. right. It's very different. So these people that don't have an understanding, a fundamental understanding of the picture, they could still be right. People are like, well, how is that possible? Kathy Wood is a great example, right? Again, not trying to pick on her. She was dead on when guys like me were laughing about her price target for Tesla. Okay, now what's funny is when you go back and read, right, the research behind it, when you go back and read her thesis about what would drive the stock there, literally nothing she said has come to fruition. Nothing. Not full self-driving, not the semi-trucks, not the autonomous taxis, uh, you know, uh, not the cyber truck even yet, right? None of it's happened. Yet the stock still hit its price target. So that's a perfect example of how you can be right on the fundamental side and still lose. Now, does that mean that understanding the fundamental picture doesn't help? Doesn't no, it of course it does, right? It's gonna win more times than not. But even when you know you've got the fundamental picture nailed, 
there always has to be a level of humility applied to it because markets are crazy things. Okay, so I am not laughing at people, telling people I know how this is going to play out. I've got my feelings and my beliefs and the way that I see it. But if you do this job long enough, you know, it's like we've got the... (laughs) We've got the joke in the office. The only, the only deal, the deals you lose or the investments you lose the most on are the ones you are most certain are going to succeed, right? And you just always have to have that, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? I think that's one of the biggest parts of risk management. And I, and I, and, and I don't think it's executed enough, meaning I, in, investors approach investing with bravado and arrogance, like the more resolute they are and the more arrogant they are and the more sure they're right that somehow that increases their odds. Um, I can assure you that's not the case. And you don't see it nearly as much around in, in, in uh, professional investors, but it's like most retail investors think that they need to be belligerently bullish, right? They need to, they need to dig their heels in. They, like that somehow certainty or, or, or the illusion of certainty improves their goal, right? Their, their, their outcome or their chances. And it doesn't. We got to stay, we got to stay fluid. But let's, but I want you guys to understand the fundamental picture. So let's talk about the SPR. So what is it first and foremost? The strategic petroleum reserve is oil that the United States government sets around that in the event something crazy were to happen, that they can keep our economy function, functioning, but more importantly, with no imports of fuel, that they can prepare for and put us on and execute at least for a period of time. They can execute and function on a war setting with no inflows of additional oil. And that hopefully that strategic petroleum reserve would last until we're able to you know, ramp domestic production or redirect domestic production to, you know, to feed the, to feed the fight <coughs> and to keep, and to keep, uh, and pardon me if I cough a little bit, like I said, a little bit of a cold today. Now is Biden the first guy to release it? No, he, he did a, he did a, I think it was a 60 million barrel release not that long ago. And anytime oil has gotten tight, especially around elections, you're going to see releases of the SPR. Now, what's funny to me is every single time it happens, everybody's like, well, there goes oil. In fact, if you look back to the history of of oil being released from the SPR, 75% of the time it has led to higher prices within 12 months. And it it might even be shorter than that. All right, go look at the last SPR release. I think it hit. Uh, didn't hit it for much. I mean, it, it dipped it down a little bit and then boom, went on to set new highs, right? It was post, it was after the last SPR that oil ripped to 130. And I think the pullback oil has had is kind of, is, is, is kind of healthy, honestly. Um, <clears throat> because when it shoots up too quick, it, it's, it's not good for the companies because there's a demand shock, right? If you go straight to 200, there's a demand shock the economy essentially would almost instantly go into recession and demand would drop, right? So what you wanted to do, you, you know, if you're, a, if you're a bull and you're invested in oil companies, you want to see that ramp slower. But anyway, so he's, the, the reason this is unprecedented is he has basically said he's going to throw a million barrels a day at this issue into perpetuity until it gets better or right up until the November election. So the first question naturally is, what does this mean? Well, what it means is that in the near term, and if you look at oil, right, oil is sold out in contract, you know, it's, it's sold out in, 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 in contracts, in, in, in option contracts, in futures contracts. And those futures contracts, I think, stretch out as far as three, do they go three to four years into the future? Anyway, when you see an SPR release, it can, it can, it can dampen or push down and typically does right out of the gate, the front month or the front couple months. But what you really want to look at is you want to look at further down the line. And that's what the market is telling you. It's saying, okay, what about, you know, what about options that have a strike price? Meaning we're betting on where, let's say we're, let's say we want to go out and buy an option where we're betting on where oil will be a year from now. So in April of 2023, 
right? When you go look at those contracts, they barely blinked at the SPR and a couple of them actually have ticked up, right? Why is that? <clears throat> why do SPRs not work? Why is it not, you know, why, why 75% of the time is this release of new oil not batted down the price? Well, there's a lot of different reasons for it, but this situation is unique. As we've been saying, this is a different deal. Um, everything that these guys do to try to beat down the price of oil or natural gas or anything for that matter at this point only exacerbates the problem, okay? There is so much political noise around this topic, it's really hard to get the facts. So as always, we're going to try to bring them to you. Okay, the reason that the SPR doesn't typically work, and I don't think it's going to work in this case, and could actually event in higher prices down the road or result in higher prices, and I think it will, <clears throat> is because what you sort of have right now is an investment strike into oil and natural gas. And we've talked about this at great length, right? The shale boom and the oil boom here in the United States started really in about 2010 or 2009, 2008, 2009, 2010, really got rolling 11, 12, and then kind of hit its zenith point in 2014. Production, production outran ran, uh, uh, demand. And then you had that first big drop and a lot of different bankruptcies and things like that. But when you look back to it and you look back over those last 10 to 13 years, like I was saying earlier, you've just had massive underinvestment. You've had periods, times of big investment, and then a wipeout comes and four, four, you know, not foreclosures, but bankruptcies, right? Debt defaults, all these different things, which wipes that investment out. And so you're structurally undersupplied. So the longer you act, so if, if he succeeds, if this pushes oil down, let's say to 90 to 85 or even 80 or maybe even lower, I mean, I don't know, again, the short-term trajectory, nobody does, but all you're doing is delaying capital flowing in. Why are people going to invest in oil and gas? Because they think it's going to be higher for longer. So if you're constantly pushing it down and, and, and there's this illusion out here that this pop in oil prices has already manifested in a bunch of production. It hasn't. It, that's just not the case. How do we know that? Go look at rig counts. They're going up a little bit, but they're moving up. It, it, if you compare it to past times of, of booms in oil production, they're moving up as if oil went from 55 to 65, not 100. And, and I just think everybody's missing it. And I've already run out of time here in the market update. So we'll continue this conversation in the next segment. But guys... Why is this so important to you? Because as retail traders, you don't have any exposure to this. If you're in mutual funds and ETFs, your advisor isn't even looking at that. He's just got you riding the market, which is loaded up on tech and has virtually no exposure to the stuff. And then you got bonds on the other side. You have a, your portfolio is like a scud missile of inflation. It, it literally could not be designed better to work worse in the environment that we're in. Wake up. There's a better way. Give us a call. 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, boardcapitalmanagement.com. Get our book, Common Sense Investing, about our bond replacement. Find out about our portfolios that have downside protection, down 6%. We were down 6.5% during COVID, outperformed the market since, net of fees. Lower your fees, increase your upside. Most importantly, get your portfolio ready for an inflation, inflationary environment. Call us, 866-779-RISK. Got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. Zach, what's the number one concern with people's investments right now? Without a doubt, Dory, it's inflation, and it's here. With all this money printing and with still 0% interest rates, inflation will very likely rise, and when inflation rises, bonds get smoked. We've been telling people for six years, if you're using bonds in the old-school 60-40 mix as the safe portion of your portfolio, you're taking a risk in today's inflationary environment. Well, what should our listeners do? If you're worried about inflation, we believe that you should consider getting out of bonds and get educated with Bulwark's bond 
replacement strategy. We teach you exactly how to do it in our free booklet, Common Sense Investing. Learn how to protect your portfolio against loss, but still seek to grow your assets. Call Zach now for your free copy of Common Sense Investing, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. All right, guys, thanks for sticking with us. And I want to continue on explaining this SPR situation. So like I was saying prior to the break, the SPR gets released. Everybody goes, oh, there goes oil. They do it every time. Yet if we go back through history, 75% of the time after the SPR, right, prices increase. Now, this is interesting and it's something that, um, you know, again, you guys know this. I'll admit when I'm wrong. But I said a few – a while back, <clears throat> uh, I, I think it was when oil hit 85 and people were already starting to refer to this as an energy crisis. And, and the reason I pointed that out and the reason why I pointed it out today – now, listen, I know there's sticker shock at the pump right now. Yeah, I'm not saying that's not real. It is. It's just funny to me. Do you guys remember in 2014 – do you remember the energy crisis of 2014? Oil is higher than it was is right now. I don't remember an oil crisis, energy crisis. Do you? How about 2007? And and for those home gamers at home that don't know this, uh, in 2014, 14, I think we topped out at 110. You know, maybe intraday 112 or 108. We're right around there, 110. Today we're at 100. This is an energy crisis. That isn't. Why do you think that is? Right? Why do you think that is? How about 2007? Do you remember 2007? Peak of the real estate bubble right before the financial crisis? Oil hit, I think it's 150. I think it hit 150. Certainly 140, I know that for sure, but I think it was 150. Do you remember people talking about an energy crisis then? So why are they talking about an energy crisis now? Why is Biden at $100 releasing an unprecedented release of the SPR, a million barrels a day? With, with really no limit on how long he'll do it. Why is he doing it? Well, like I said from the very beginning, I think they see what we see. They're not afraid of $100 oil. They're afraid of $200 oil. Right? You look back, it's the only thing that makes any sense. And it, so I'm convinced that they see exactly what we see. And so now you see the, the bear side. Well, oil, you know, look at the SPR. Oils. Guys, this is, in my opinion, long term, this is making it even, this is making, you know, I think we could look back on this and, you know, and again, I don't know. History will tell the story, right? We'll see in time. But I think it's really possible that this unprecedented SPR release may only mean that the ceiling for oil is no longer 200, it's 250 to 3. And again, why do I say that? Because if you succeed, which it probably will, right? It's a, I mean, oil's dropped 5%, so it's not a big deal yet. But I would, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised to see 90 to 85. But what does that do? Just delays the investment anymore. People are like, well, Zach, you've told us that the break even in shale was $65. If, if 85 is the downside, that's still good margin. Break even in shale is no longer $65, guys. Look what happened to the price of steel. Look what's happened to the price of oil, right? You got to be out there operating trucks and ship it and all that other kind of stuff. Look what's happened to the price of trucks, right? Got to get the oil in and out of the oil field, right? Look what's happened to the price of aluminum, steel, right? All these different components. Not to mention the fact that when you go through two years of oil prices getting smoked, like they have. And remember, it wasn't that robust to begin with. What were we sitting about? $65 oil in 2019. So it's not like those guys were banking cash. A lot of them, remember, at $65 oil, most of these com- companies were negative cash flowing. Then during COVID, they got annihilated, right? Oil went negative 37. So what does that mean? That in order to survive those, those, these brutal markets, 
these people did exactly what you would do. They looked at their most profitable, lowest cost wells, and they were high grading, which we talked about last week. And they more, most importantly, were not drilling, drilling new wells. They were trying to keep maintenance on their wells at an absolute zero. Why? They're trying to survive. And this is after they already had to survive 2014. The first drop, I've got a buddy that was working back there running a company, basically servicing these guys, making money hand over fist. He went bankrupt in 2014 because that collapsed so bad. You're up at 110, like I said, 2013, beginning of 2014. And I believe you collapsed all the way down to 35, 40 bucks. So, I mean, it's just been one monkey hammering after another. And so the, the, the production just hasn't been there. And that's another reason, right, of why we're saying this issue is so acute. You know, there's an old adage, and I hear people rolling it out right now. Well, high oil prices fix high oil prices. Why do you think these are high oil prices? We think the break even on shale is probably more like 80 to 85 now. I mean, look at everything, guys. Everybody's running around talking about inflation and then acting like $100 oil is outrageous. Okay, we, you're, what, what are you? You're 40% below the high of 2007. That was 16 years ago. What else do you know is 30 to 40% below a high it set in 2007? I, I think the structural cost of oil has gone permanently higher. Why wouldn't it? Look what's happened to houses. Look at the input. I mean, it's crazy. And here's the other thing. You're not going to get any real help from, uh, you're not going to get any real help from the global economy. Why? Because globalization's coming undone. This is another inflationary factor that I don't think people are paying attention to, right? People are re-domesticating production facilities. Why did they have them in China to begin with? Because it's cheaper. So no, this inflation isn't transitory. It's not going anywhere. Now, again, it's going to hurt, hit certain things harder. You know, certain things harder than others. But it's not going anywhere. And then to think that everything else is going up in price, but we're going to return to pre-pandemic oil levels. I just, I don't understand the thesis. And then there's another one here. Uh, guy responded to me and he said, uh, <clears throat> oil at $30 barrel oil at $30 barrel is just a couple of years away as the boom in drilling today manifests as a glut down the road. Okay. I understand why he says that because that is what has, has happened in the past, right? You get a surge to hundred oil. Everybody starts pumping all that kind of stuff. Th- this market could not be more different. First of all, a boom in drilling. I, I now, I had a back and forth with this cat that sent me that message and it was pleasant. Even though we started with him saying, you're not very bright, are you? And I responded and I said, no, his name is Steve. I go, no, Steve, I'm an idiot. Um, I try not to get in the back and forth during this kind of stuff, but I just want to discuss with him. And the reason I engage, some of you are like, why do you engage in this? Because I want to understand what the other people think. I want to understand the people that disagree with me, what they think. I already know what I think. Right? I want to listen to people that disagree with me, even if I don't think they know what they're talking about. I want to understand. And when I hear stuff like that, it just makes me so bullish because I'm sitting there going, okay, we're not too late. The market still doesn't get it. Okay, 30 barrels is just a couple of years away. No, it's not. No, it's not. Why do I know that? Because there's not enough oil. There isn't enough oil. Well, we're converting to electric vehicle. No, we're not. No, we're not. If you, if you hit their electric vehicle numbers, you smoke our entire grid. Guys, this is magical thinking. And there is no boom in drilling. Why do you think Biden's freaking out? The market isn't responding to it. Why isn't the market responding to it? A, investment dollars aren't pouring in. Inve- First of all, investors are all sucked into uh, tech still, right? It's a black hole for capital. The other thing is the problems you've had in the past. People don't want to jump in there and get smoked like, you know, we've explained on the show so many different times, right? The other thing is you've got the big push divest of oil companies. So they're selling their stocks. You've frozen them out of financing. Over 100 banks have signed a pledge not to lend to these guys. There's all these structural reasons. The drilling isn't happening. But the number one reason, if we bake it down, will there be a boom in drilling? Yes. 
It's a free market. Yeah, the market will respond eventually. What will make there be a boom in drilling? Higher prices. And a certainty or a feeling of certainty that prices will stay elevated for a long period of time. Why do people invest? They invest because they think they're going to make money. (laughs) Right? So if you want to avoid pain in energy markets and you don't want to get smoked, what are you waiting for? You're waiting for signs that this stuff is going to stay high for higher for longer. And if you want money to pour into a sector that has an 80 to an $85 break even on average, right? Because shale right now is still our marginal oil production. If we want to ramp oil production fast, it basically has to come out of shale. Now, the problem is, like we've said, recovery rates of shale oil is lower, costs are higher, all that kind of stuff. Well, if you're looking at turning back on a bunch of shale wells, you know, there, there's a point where it makes sense, but it's not right here. If your cost is 85 and you've got blown up twice in the last eight years, you're going to need to see it a lot higher than that. Right? Because just think about it. If you're running an oil company, are you going to ramp production right now if your break evens at 80 and the price is at 100? No. Why would you do that? Is your goal to help drive the price below your break even? No, you sit back, you conserve capital, you keep you know doing maintenance on the wells that have the highest margins, and you wait for the price to go higher, and you wait for other capital to flow into the industry. And bottom line, guys, I don't really care what side of the political aisle you're on. This will not get fixed until they unfreeze that industry, right? There's policy-wise, Biden hasn't shifted yet, hasn't made it any easier. Now he's talking about cutting tax loophole, quote-unquote tax loopholes on the oil companies. What does that do? Drives the price higher. Now, the funniest thing I'm seeing right now is if you notice, right, we got to look for the political coordination. Multiple Democratic uh, politicians have come out in the last week talking about price gouging. They're calling CEOs of oil companies to Capitol Hill to enforce it, and then Biden announces the uh, the uh, basically unconstrained P, um, uh, SPR release. Guys, there's a lot. What are they telling you? Again, it's not hundred dollar oil. They're hedging their bet for two hundred. I'm j- I'm just telling you, and it's coordinated. They're all coming out there talking. The funniest stuff you hear are these people blaming oil companies for higher prices. Okay. Whenever you hear something, guys, and, and if you're, <clears throat> look, I don't care what side of the political aisle you're on. If you listen to this show long enough, you'll hear us blast everybody, okay? Because it's about truth. It's not about, about ideology. And we try very, very hard to keep political ideology out of the show. As I've told listeners a million times, there's plenty of those shows, okay? You can get, you can get your political ideology fed to you, spoon fed to you, wherever you want, especially nowadays. There's no, you know, you can... There's a course for every horse out there, right? <clears throat> I mean, if you think that the earth is flat and that witches should run Congress, I'm sure you can find a Facebook page or a Twitter page out there that, that, that reflects that. <clears throat> so this is not about political ideology. This is about reality, right? And we're going to call these CEOs up and we're going to take – they have no control, guys. They don't set price. The market does. So they take their goods just like you would at a swap meet, just like you would at a flea market. They barrel up their oil, they go to the market, and they sell it for the market price. If they had control over prices, if they could quote unquote price gouge, they would have done it last during COVID when oil went to negative 37. It is complete nonsense. And if anything, all it shows is complete economic ignorance. The U.S. oil producers have, well, they're gouging consumers at the pump. No, they're not. Do you know who's really price gouging consumers? The government. Go And you know how you know, you guys, right? You're at $105, $110 oil, $115 right in there. Again, we were right there. And and in the state of Washington, that resulted in just pretty close to $6 gas, $580, $590, somewhere in there. California, yeah, it hit. Where'd we hit there? Uh, uh, I think the highest print I saw was like 730 
right? Think back to 2014 when oil prices were this high, gas prices weren't as high. What's changed? Well, almost universally across the board, they've increased gas taxes. So, and, and what value, right? What value does that tax bring? When we pay for oil, we're getting a value for it, right? That is subsidizing the company that goes out there and finds the oil, that drills for it, that produces it, that brings it to market. When government tax on it, I think here in the state of Washington, you've got something like 80 to 90 cents a gallon gas tax. And they're talking about SPRs and all this kind of... If you want to give relief at the pump, just do a temporary suspension of your gas taxes. No, no, no. They don't want to do that. Right? That hurts revenue. We got to concoct a story about how it's the evil fossil fuel companies' faults. How they're price gouging consumers. It's just nonsense. It's just not the way it works. I mean, it's like getting in a debate with somebody that believes in Santa Claus. Right? That's an adult. I hope I'm not screwing up any kids here. <laughs> Santa is real. Sorry, guys. Uh, no, but it's just, it, it, it's a pointless debate because you're just like, I'm sorry. That's just not how it works. And you see politician after politician, guys, if you want to know why our country is so dysfunctional is because the people running it do not understand basic economics. They certainly don't understand energy policy. It's, it, it's, and it's no surprise to you guys, right? We are living in the era of total madness, Financial, political hypocrisy, it's just madness. It's nuts. But no, the, this SPR does nothing. If anything, it exacerbates the problem. We got to take a quick break. We're up against time. Anyway, if you don't have a risk management strategy, give us a call. 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. If you don't want to call us, you can always email in. We can do email correspondence. But there's a better way, guys. Take the the three minutes it takes to call us and educate yourselves. Educate yourselves on how we're lowering fees, improving performance, improving upside, and drastically lowering risk. It's going to be worth your time. Anyway, we'll be right back. Stick with us through the break. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC. LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for being with us and sticking with us. Now, here's the other opportunity that we see. If people use this pullback, if the SPR does dampen the front couple months, which it probably will, it has a little bit already, like I said. I'm expecting to see, I mean, it's, that's another funny thing. Look at, look at the way that a lot of the oil producers responded to that noise and that announcement. They're actually higher, right? But if they get hit, I think that's going to be a phenomenal opportunity. Why do I say that? Because everybody is still correlating oil companies to oil, thinking that if the oil company wants to keep going up, oil needs to keep going up. That's not true. You know how we've sat here on the show and told you how profitable and how undervalued so many of these companies are? Guys, we're using really 70 to $85 oil outlooks to come up with those to come up with those forecasts. So like I've said before, 
if if you don't think oil's going below 55 60 there's still incredible value in the space so if these things get hit because of this if oil were to soften to say like let's say 90 to 85 and the oil producers get hit i that will be backing up the truck for us and maybe it's not bottom i mean like i said guys we're dealing with a commodity like oil it can and will do anything given long enough right it can and will and guys, if this is the kind of thinking that you want in your portfolio management, which I think you should, and, and, and this isn't just a sales pitch like I've said. It wasn't just a sales pitch when we were warning people about Boeing in March of 2019. End of February, actually, of March 2019. It wasn't just about sales when we were warning people about COVID in, uh, <clears throat> in January of 2020. Okay, th- this one is even more is even less opaque. Th- th- this one is a clear. Th- th- I mean, th- this is happening, and like I said, your portfolio. I don't care what the performance has been over the last two to three years, guys. This is not the market of the last two to three years. You know that. Look at house prices. Look at gas prices. Look at commodities prices. <coughs> Biggest inflation prints we've seen in forty years. This ain't the same market. And none of you are pivoting your portfolios to change it. You've got absolutely, almost virtually zero exposure to natural resources. You're loaded up tech and bonds. You're literally running right into the cannon fire. Guys, there's a better way. You don't need to get slaughtered. You don't need to have a repeat of the 70s where your portfolio bleeds 15% over a 15-year period of time and your bonds get smoked by 50. You don't need to do that. There's a better way. You can have people that are actively managing your portfolio that can show you a track record. They can show you competence. They can lower your fees, increase your upside, and drastically reduce your risk. We haven't been on the radio now for six years because we're full of it or we're selling snake oil. There's a better way. And most importantly, most importantly, a portfolio that's got protection so you take the risk of a catastrophic loss off the table. And if you do it correctly, it will increase your returns over the long run, not decrease them. And I can show you that. I can show you why our value portfolio, as a matter of fact, both of our stock, well, together, average together, they're they're positive. I want to say average together. I'd have to check it right as that now. But our both portfolios together up about one. Market's down about five on the year. We're moving up. We've been moving up for the last month and a half. Market got a pop here over the last two weeks. Our value portfolio is now up seven on the year and moving north. That's the other thing. Just because people are like, well, I don't know if now's a good time to invest. The markets are down. I go, we're not down. I think it's an unbelievable time to invest. I just wouldn't invest. I wouldn't invest my worst enemy's money the way the vast majority of you are invested. And here's the killer, guys. Here's the kicker. This isn't a sales pitch. This is true. If you've been listening to the show long enough, I think we've built up enough credibility. You are literally running right into the cannon fire. They're not going to pivot. Has your advisor called you and said, well, we've got the highest inflation prints we've seen in 40 years and interest rates are rising. We need to reconfigure your portfolio so it can work in an environment like this. Did he? No, he didn't call. He told you to write it out. He probably told you oil couldn't go above 90. He probably tell you this is a short-term blip, that oil settle back down because high oil prices fix high oil prices. Guys. And, and, and here's the killer. Just look at, listen to what I'm saying and look with your own eyes. Do you see it? Do you see what I'm talking about? You need better than this. You're going to get smoked. And and how do I know? Like I said, it's just the, the allocation. You're loaded up on all the stuff that's going to get hit by, hit by raising interest rates, rising interest rates and rising inflation. It's common sense. It's not like we're going down on a limb projecting any of this stuff. Why aren't they making the moves? That's not the model. That's not what they do. And, 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 and like I said, the killer is, is 
I know. I know for a fact. We've been doing this on the show, radio for the, right? I know for a fact. There are people that call in that are becoming clients all the time. And then when the stuff finally hits, right, when they see their account down 20 and they hear about ours being up 20, that's when they call. What I'm telling you right now is don't be that guy. Don't wait for pain to make the move. You can just look at the world yourself and see if it corresponds to what I'm saying. If it does, you have to change your portfolio. You got to change or you're going to get smoked. And if you want to know how to do it, if you want to lower your risk, increase your upside, reduce your fees all at the same time, call us guys. It's not snake oil. This is what we do. Been on the radio for six years. Started on one station in Seattle. Now we're in Seattle, Oregon, Portland, uh, uh, Phoenix. Podcast has gone nationwide. Call us, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, or capitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. You guys see it happening. We've been telling you it's coming. I think we've built up credibility. For God's sakes, do something. Don't wait for the pain Be one of the people that makes the change in anticipation of pain, not at the realization. Anyway, got to run. Got a great commodity special coming up next week that you're not going to want to miss. God bless you all. Have a great weekend. We'll be back next week. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management. Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor.